Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff, the podcast that doesn't have a tagline because the title conveys the general purpose well enough on its own. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy. And with me today is Shireen Younes, who rules. Hi, Shireen. Thanks. I, thanks for thinking I rule. I'm high. I'm, I'm good. Hi, how are you? <laughs> All right. Good to know you're high. Cool. Okay, moving on. Shireen, you, you make stuff. What kind of stuff do you make? I make films. I make... Even saying art is weird, quote unquote art. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I just make things. I just made a film, like a little cult, like a video essay thing that I think is not too bad, which is a lot because I hate everything I do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, I just make things. I make things. Cool. I appreciate yeah. that. Today we are running without a producer. Oh yeah, which that's means, a good thing to mention. Means we can say anything we want. This goes haywire. That's why. So. The way that you build a Molotov cocktail is and then you Oh, really? Yeah, Whoa. yeah, no, it's it's different than people might think. And the most important thing is no matter what, never ever Ian is our audio engineer and on Woman wrote our theme music. So, Shireen, Margaret did you know that a lot of people are queer, gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, two-spirit, asexual, intersex, or otherwise don't line up into the nice heterosexual binary sex system that Western society tries to fit everyone into? I do know that. I do know that. Excellent. Well, that will make this conversation What a if lot I was easier. like, no, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, one man and one woman. Yeah. Did you know that some people don't like that were like that? Like they don't like queer people? Yeah. Yeah. I think they, I mean, I think everyone is on the queer spectrum. Even the people that say they hate, they hate it because they're on it. That's yeah. What I, think. I, I think that's fairly true. Yeah. I remember the first time a, a gay friend of mine sat me down and was like, the reason people say the sexuality is a choice is that for them it's a choice. Ooh! <laughs> 
Oh my god. Well, how have I, how have I never thought of that? That is very a very good point. Smart yeah. friend. Well, today we're going to talk about some of the queer people who did something about the people who don't like queer people. Hell yeah. It will eventually get to Molotov cocktails, actually. <laughs> Although, this is our first four-parter on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt timely to talk about this stuff, and I For couldn't sure, find yeah. a simple way to do it. So it's four parts. So you're going to get sick of me by the end of this, so buckle up. Strap mm-hmm. in, folks. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk about how in June 1969 in Greenwich Village in New York City, someone bit a cop so hard that the cop had to go to the hospital, and the gay pride movement was born. Wow. Wish that was me. That is amazing. I know. I, I know. want to bite a cop so hard that he just, like, loses an arm. That is amazing. <laughs> just zombie a cop. Yeah. <laughs> today, we're going to talk about motherfucking Stonewall. And by today, I mean in this four-part series that will encompass both this week and next week. Have you have you heard much about Stonewall? Yeah, I've heard of it. It's a thing that was really important. Yeah, it was. It was a very important thing. And before we get into it, we're going to use my favorite thing in the world, context, a.k.a. backstory, or as I call it when I'm talking about my show to my friends, side quests. Oh, wow. I a like lot that. of side quests today, tomorrow, yes. next Monday, and next Wednesday. <laughs> It's good to understand the main quest. How else am I going to understand it? You know, I know exactly. That yeah. all adds flavor, and and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. So, there's two things that regular listeners are probably tired of hearing me say. First, queer people have always been here. Second, the ways in which we define things, like same-sex attraction and having a gender identity or presentation, different from your sex assigned at birth. Those definitions are socially constructed, and they change over time. Um, The concepts of homosexuality and heterosexuality, for example, in the Western context were invented in the late 19th century. And a lot of who we're going to be talking about today would not, don't map to today's definitions and labels or didn't at the time, but are still alive today or were alive recently and then like later talked about it. So it's like, we're going to talk about like a lot of, for example, like drag queens, um, many of whom would have identified as gay men, many of whom later identified as trans women. We're going to talk about transvestites, uh, which is a word that a lot of people don't use anymore, but um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people used at the time. I used to use uh, for myself, actually, before I came out as trans, because I considered myself a cross-dresser for a very long time who just happened to have a woman's name and never not wear women's clothes. You know. So things are different, and they change. That's That's my background. In our episode about gay resistance to fascism, uh, that was with you, I think, wasn't it? I think we it was. About, yeah, we talked about all the, yeah, they ruled. Everyone should go back and listen to that. That was a good one. I love being here for the gay shit. That's, yeah. that's my shit. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So we talked about some of the earliest homophile organizations, as they might have called themselves. Um, and we talked about how they were violently repressed under the Nazis and how they didn't, they also violently unrepressed against the Nazis when they could. Uh, We talked about how queer people were put into camps and about how, kind of importantly, at the end of the war, when the camps were liberated, both the capitalist bloc and the Soviet bloc immediately threw the queer prisoners back into prison because being gay was illegal and icky and whatever. That's where we left off. Mm -hmm. We're going to pick up that thread with the Cold War, 1940s America, just after World War II. 
it's going to be a situation that is going to be completely unfamiliar to the modern audience. Acceptance of gay gay lifestyles was flourishing in some places, especially really? in cities. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's actually, news to me, actually. Well, that's actually kind of one of the things is that like we have this way of talking about uh, gayness as if it was like everything was bad and then someone threw a brick at a cop at a place called Stonewall and right, then everything right. became good, you know? But so acceptance of gay lifestyles was flourishing in cities um, while American culture more broadly was moving in a more conservative direction. So everything got mm-hmm. set up for conflict. So the cops and all that shit are getting more and more conservative and the government's getting more and more conservative. But more and more gay bars are opening. More and more people are finding each other. Mm-hmm. And more and more people are starting to be like, there's literally nothing wrong with who yeah. I am except for the fact that the cops hate me. I mean, that sounds like present day. Yep. Like it sounds like we're still doing that. So, yeah. The number of fucking just one-to-one comparisons about what's happening right now. It's People don't change, it feels like. History just repeats itself. Or just yeah. like stays the same, rather. It doesn't yeah. even end and start again. It just like keeps <laughs> yeah, just stagnant. Just, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, well, you know, little tiny micro loops. Right. So we'll talk about some of this conflict. We've all heard of the Red Scare. Uh, really, there were two red. Oh, you scares. mean the podcast? I'm sorry. What if I only thought it was a podcast and not an actual thing? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Wait, what's the podcast? Uh, I, is it I've about never, communism? Or I've it? never listened to it. To be fair, okay. I just I kind of make fun of it a lot. Uh, okay. it's, it's, it's it's a podcast with. It's not really historical. It's just like a. It's just okay. a podcast with two two gals, and that's okay. all I'm going to say about that because I don't want to get too into it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, there's, I was going to say there's two and a half red scares, but there's actually three and a half because one of them is a podcast. <laughs> the first red scare was 1917 to 1920 when the U.S. freaked out about the Russian Revolution and they started deporting the anarchists, um, which is funny because at the same time, the Russian Bolsheviks also were freaked out about the anarchists and were shooting them. Wow. And so they passed, the U.S. passed this Anti-Anarchist Sedition Act of 1918, uh, which is part of why I'm very mad that people um, are calling the January 6th rioters seditionists, because I literally have the word sedition tattooed on my knuckles. Oh my um, God, you do. Oh my God, she does. I'm, I'm looking at her knuckles now in the camera. I did not know you had that tattoo. <laughs> yeah, I got it a while ago. Um, That's hilarious. I was so mad when they started calling. Anyway, um... Sedition being the the crime of speaking against the government, essentially, which is not they call they call January six people that I didn't realize they would call it that's not that's stupid. I know, I know. Uh, also, during this Red Scare, there was the Palmer raids, which made use of a. Did you know that in the United States, it is still illegal to be a foreign born anarchist? What about so you can be a. A na- na- nation ball, national, uh, yeah, a nation born anarchist. Yeah, because of free speech, uh, it's legal oh. to have been born in the U.S. and become an anarchist. But um, there's this law, the Immigration Act of 1903, that specifically is like kick out all of the foreign born anarchists. That is so interesting. I did not know that. It's like you can, it can be a. It's it, the, the the line they draw as far as where you're born is like anarchy and president. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) And so it's not enforced anymore, but it'll be interesting because it's still on the books. And 
So anyway, they raid and deport a bunch of people, and immediately people are like, that's an infringement of free speech. Mm-hmm. Even at the time, people are like, I don't think you're allowed to do that. And the government's like, we don't care, you know? <laughs> and we get a, into a, a bit, if you want to hear more about this, in the birth control episodes we did last year with Katie Stoll. Then you get the mini red scare, the half red scare, or as I like to call it, or at least I wrote it into the script, the red thrill? Because a thrill feels like a half scare, right? Oh, yeah, it does. Good, Yeah, good call on that. Thank you. Thank you. This one was exclusive to New York City. It took place in 19, between 1940 and 1942. And it's particularly funny that this happened because overall, during these years, there was some other stuff happening in the world right. between yeah. 1940. <laughs> That's why I'm surprised. I mean, I guess like when you... You forget the other stuff was happening, though, when you only know that it was like World War II. I forget right. that there was other stuff happening because it sounds like the whole world was doing this, was in World War II because it's fucking yeah. called that. But um, it's interesting to hear that this was all happening at the same time. I know. And it's particularly interesting because at the time, the USSR was the United States' ally. Oh, my God. And so it was like actually a time when like even the government was like, Look, we don't trust communists, but they're not our enemy. The Nazis are. Well, what a time. Unless you're in New York City. It's called the the Rap Coder Committee. It's the name of two people. Mm. Basically, they investigated the public universities to make sure they didn't find any pinkos teaching kids. And refusing to testify before this committee was grounds for immediate firing. And they got one ex-communist to rat out 54 other teachers. And whoa, have you heard the word pinko much? I really like this word. No, I you you said it, and I was gonna just pretend I knew what you what you meant. But please explain it. Okay, so pinko is this pejorative word for communist, and it's it's an old timey word. It's our like grandparents' um, pejorative word for communist, Mm -hmm. and it it goes back to 1925, I think. Um, But it actually being like pink salons was a way to talk shit on communist gathering places even before then and they use pink because it's for two reasons one it's a softer shade of red and therefore these are like the soft communists the socialists Mm -hmm. and so that we can understand how this ties into why am i talking about the red scares if we're talking about anti-gay shit they basically were calling all the socialists gays they were being like these effeminate men these like pink men that's so interesting what about communism is effeminate yeah, you know, nothing's effeminate like um, seizing the means of production. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> or like millions of you charging German tanks. Yeah. Totally. I mean, like, whatever. That is, gays did that too, but like, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, no, and, and it's like one of the politicians who liked using the word pinko in the 20s, I think, he would... Basically, he had these quotes about how, like, these soft-handed men, they were working, but they didn't use their hands, you know? Just funny, because, guys, we know how to use our hands. And Oh, yeah. Okay. I know you were thinking, you're thinking, can Margaret tie the Unabomber into this episode? That's exactly what I was thinking, actually. <laughs> the answer is yes. Wow. Please continue. Yeah, okay, cool. This one I'm going to be, um, this one is from my memory of, uh, being involved in social movements and not something that I can directly source. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, he goes to jail. And for a while, a bunch of environmentalists supported him because he was 
trying to um, dismantle industrial civilization and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then he wrote this like public letter complaining about pinkos. And one publisher was like, oh, we can't use that. That's an anti-gay word. And Uncle Ted was like, what? No, it's not about gays. It's an anti-communist word. I hate the left. And while I'm at it, I hate gay people too. But that's not why I said it. <laughs> oh my God. I did not know that even happened. Yeah. That's incredible. That's incredible. And I'm paraphrasing this, so please don't sue me, Mr. Unabomber. That's so funny that like, it's like, no, it's not the hate slur that you think it is. It's the other hate slur or it's the same. I don't know. It's just yeah, so funny. Of course I hate that minority, yeah. but that's not what I was saying right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Back to the mini red scare. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk about pinkos. It's a word we should bring back. I mean, I maybe, maybe other people know about it. I had never really heard it. So you yeah. have educated me. I'm sure someone else is like me yeah. being like, oh, wow. New word (laughs) that we can all use. Yep. So it wasn't illegal to be in the Communist Party at this time. But the main reason they had this mini Red Scare, it was pretty much to destroy the teachers union. And they Mm -hmm. fired more than uh, 400 union teachers and blacklisted them. Because they were teaching things that they didn't want them to teach? Yeah, because they like possibly had any like leftist inclinations Mm -hmm. at all. And this, of course, meant firing the first black faculty member ever hired by a New York City public college, whose name was Max Jurgen. And to tie everything into what's happening now, in this case in Florida, he was teaching a class called Negro History and Culture at City College of New York. Um, so in the forties. Wait, yeah. no, what, what, where are yeah, we right now? Ni- like nineteen forty to nineteen forty-two. Okay, yeah. So he gets fired basically for teaching black studies. Wow. And also, it was also an anti-gay panic. The judge said about why it was important to fire teachers who teach that being gay is okay, that the court will, quote, not tolerate academic freedom being used as a cloak to promote the popularization in the minds of adolescents of acts forbidden by the penal law. Penal law. That was so, a funny. Like, yeah. I, know what, I know what you mean, but it's <laughs> funny just to hear it in that, the end of that sentence. Uh, yeah, what I said earlier, history it repeats itself in just different clothing. Yep. Um, what I what funny. I came up with while writing this was, you know, people say that history doesn't repeat; it rhymes. But then I actually think it's more like we just keep going back to the chorus. You yeah, know? the exactly. song where the verses change, and then the chorus of "Kill All the Minorities" keeps coming. Back. I I love that. That's exactly what it yeah. is. It's also it's maybe it's even just like you mess up and you have to go back to the beginning, and then you keep like messing <laughs> yeah. up in different places, so you go back to the beginning. Uh, oh my god! Civil rights is Groundhog Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, The Bronx Borough president said, quote, the colleges would either be godly colleges, American colleges, or they would be closed. Well. Good old America. That was Red Scare 1.5. Now let's talk about the big one, Red Scare Mm 2.0. The second Red Scare is the one that most people know about. If someone says the Red Scare, they probably mean the second one. This is the one that gets called McCarthyism. Right. 1947 to 1957. Its target was more communist than anarchist this time, but both Red Scares went after both. Um, This Red Scare, for example, included the anarchist Charlie Chaplin being forced into exile away from the U.S. And I really only include this because I like leaving threads to other episodes. So if you want to see the hear more about that, the episode of anti-fascism in film with Caitlin Durante talks about that. That is marketing genius. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Good job. Yeah. (laughs) 
I just get really excited about this like really intensely dense web of anyway. No, it's a great way to just be like this the same the same way that you're like, I had no idea this was happening at the same time. It's yeah. good to know that like there's all these threads that are just like, oh, this is all intermingled because that's yeah. fucking history. It's not just like I don't know. Totally. Concentrated yeah. somewhere. And also that our struggles have like always been tied together in all of these ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like the specifically like, Christo-fascist, like you must be a godly college thing, the firing of the gay teachers, the firing yeah. of the like the black studies professor, like it's all been tied together forever. Yeah. I think that's why like if, when people are shocked about stuff, sometimes it's a little bit like this has been happening. That's, a, that's yeah. how I feel. Like it's just like, it's not like how did we get this way? What happened to people? It's like, We've always been this way. It's just been like bolstered in certain people because it's been so long. I, I, I don't know if that makes sense. I just think it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Different flavors of the same thing. Well, if you want different flavors of the same thing, you should try American capitalism, <laughs> where you can go to the store and buy a million types of Oreos, most of which are vegan. Yeah, here they are. And also, you can consume these products and services that support this show. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six x visit tomboyx.com hey girlfriends it's me carol fisher i'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of the girlfriends in season one we told you about the murder of gail katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend bob at one point a woman's torso washed up on staten island and was misidentified as gail She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. 
For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we are back. And we're talking about this mass hysteria about communist takeover of the U.S. or whatever, the House of Un-American Activities Committee. But, and it's famous stuff, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more sometime. Um, or if, if only there was like a podcast that was like about bad stuff instead. But mm. we should get on that. Yeah, we should we should make a, uh, a proposal for that. Like, yeah. our, our heart would love it. Yeah, I think it would do really well. Nothing like it out there. <laughs> yeah. So, importantly to our story, the Red Scare has this shadow, the Lavender Scare, which targeted gay folks of all stripes. And as far as I can tell, it was just as wide-reaching and impactful as the Red Scare in terms of number of people who were, like, fired and shit as a result. Is that is this something that people know about, or am I, am I just a dummy? Like, this is I, not known about. Okay, because I've never heard that before. It's That's fascinating. Yeah, it... um. It doesn't get called this or anything at the time. It's just happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the government fucking up gay people's lives. In 2004, a guy named David K. Johnson wrote a book on the whole thing called The Lavender Scare. And this kind of cemented the name. Mm-hmm. The, the name comes from one of the bigots responsible for this repression. Uh, this one happened to be a Republican. I've run across Democrats and Republicans both being this very bipartisan. This guy's name is Everett Dirksen. And he's famous for being the Republican who helped pass the 1964 Civil Rights Act, crossing the party lines to to vote with the Democrats. Um, He hated gay people. And he liked to use a somewhat popular anti-gay phrase at the time, and he called gay men lavender lads. That's kind of sick. I know. Not that he means it that way. I know. That's kind of sick. (laughs) Thanks, dude. I know. I'm not a gay man, so I can't tell you what slurs to reclaim. But... Imagine the street gang called the Lavender Lads. (laughs) You would want to go to their parties. You would not want to fucking cross them. And you wouldn't want to bring your boyfriend because he's going home with a Lavender Lad instead of you. That is, I mean, you can't, I feel like you can't get mad at that. Like, it's not like he chose anything negative in either of those words. It's not like Lavender Losers. It's not like Lavender anything bad. It's just like Lads. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I just love that. Um... But despite its sick name, the Lavender Scare was a bad thing. Right, right, right. Its main task was to root out and fire all the gay folks in the government and the military. And I don't like the government or the military, but that's still fucked up. In the first three years of the scare alone, 420 people were fired from government jobs on suspicion of homosexuality. Wow. 1,700 others had their applications denied. 4,380 people were kicked out of the military. That's so... How does... Who's deciding who's gay and who's not? Well, this is, that's part of the thing about anti-gay repression. And we see this also with what the Nazis did, is that when you decide to go against gay people, you can call anyone gay. It's really hard to prove that, like, you don't like scissoring, you know? like It's just like your word against theirs. And if, yeah. you, if the person that is calling you gay has more power, then, then you're fucked, even if you... Yeah. 
are or are not gay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so many people. That's so, I mean, obviously it's a lot of people, but like, it's just crazy that there's always someone deciding something for everyone else. I don't know if that makes sense. It's just like, we, we, there are so many huge decisions and all throughout history that is like one or two people (laughs) just like like some dudes deciding on something. I always think about that when it comes to like fucking like taxes or something. Someone, someone chose this, you know what I mean? Like someone chose this. And now we're suffering because of it. But anyway. No, no. I like some of the markers that they used to determine if someone was gay and should therefore be fired was being unmarried ah. and talking gay. Ah. Um, rude. Yeah. I mean, kind of, I, mean, I, I relate, but rude. rude. I know. I know. <laughs> also, around this time, I think it was the late 40s. This didn't end up in the script. It almost didn't. I, I, so now I'm. My memory might be faulty, but around this time, the first Kinsey report comes out, and these are these studies oh, about yeah. uh, the percentage of. In this case, it was a study of like uh, several thousand men, and it was like representative of the U.S. population, which is obviously not true. But of these several thousand men in the late forties, only fifty percent were um, had only had heterosexual sexual experiences. Only fifty percent. Yeah. So in the 1940s, there were medical studies saying that half of the U.S. population is somewhere on the gay spectrum. That's incredible. Yeah. And I I think about this a lot because I'm down with the way that we currently have, like, gender as an identity and and stuff like that. I'm fine with being a trans woman, whatever, you know. But when you didn't have these identities, people probably were, like, maybe doing more fucking of... Because there's like mm. less like, because now if you are a man, there are less boxes. Men, you're gay. Yeah, but before you probably weren't gay unless you were mostly having sex with men, or you were a bottom, or all kinds of other shit. You know, right? I mean, like all throughout history, you see, at least like I, I'm, I always paid attention to the close relationships that men had with each other. Mm-hmm. Like even like my father, his like pictures from like his college days, like. Men like loved each other, like in yeah. just like a a different, more like touchy, like they never would think like no homo kind of yeah. way. They just like that's just how they operated until probably it was labeled as something that yeah. made them feel shame. Yeah, totally. And it's such a fucking shame because there's this like massive problem in the U.S. at least of like um, loneliness among males, and like yeah, I'm sure a lot of it is that you're not allowed to open up about your emotions to anyone except the one woman you're dating or whatever, right. which puts in... Or if that. I know. Yeah. And then even so, I feel bad for the one woman you're dating who suddenly you're a fucking free therapist and the only person you talk to. Ugh. Anyway, the lavender Being skin. Being a man is hard. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny because it's like... But it's <laughs> no, like, I'm kidding and, and also yeah. serious. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the, and the reason it's hard is patriarchy and homophobia. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, we, we all have the same oppressor. Yeah. <laughs> and it's patriarchy and homophobia and like so the government had an excuse about why it was going after gays. It was really that they just like didn't like gays. But it was the idea that closeted homosexuals, since they were hiding a shameful secret, were vulnerable to blackmail and might like give information about government shit to the the Ruskies. Interesting. Okay. That's that's a loophole if I've ever heard one, but okay. Yeah, yeah. One Democratic politician put it this way. 
It is generally believed that those who engage in overt acts of perversion lack the emotional stability of normal persons. Or McCarthy himself, who basically was like, communism and homosexuality are both, I'm paraphrasing, communism and homosexuality are both mental imbalances and are kind of the same thing. That was McCarthy's Mm -hmm. take on it. Which is funny, because I was thinking this through. Okay, it's a real problem. If people are have to hide the fact that they're gay or be shamed by their society and therefore they're vulnerable to blackmail. What if instead of firing them all, you create a society where people aren't afraid to be outed because no one cares? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I can't, I'm still kind (laughs) of like processing everything that you said about, I don't know. I was stuck on the fact that like people were, were gay and then they weren't like in their heads. You know what I mean? Like the closest relationships. But the FBI and cops kept a list of suspect homosexuals in their hangouts. The United Mm -hmm. States Postal Service tracked where gay mail got sent and passed that information along to the government. And even though the whole, like, main thing was to fire people who worked for the government, this led to this massive anti-gay backlash. Cities banned cross-dressing, time as a flat circle. Mm -hmm. Bars were raided and shut down. Professors lost their jobs. All this shit happened. By 1953, President Eisenhower signed Executive Order 10-0, whatever, 10450, which included, quote, sexual perversion on a list of bad qualities that were bad for government employees. Wow. And more gay folks were fired from their jobs and some killed themselves. Um, Yeah, that's tragic. One fired employee, his name was Frank Kameni, and he's today's first protagonist. Hell yeah. Okay, Frank, let's go. Yeah. He was born to Jewish parents in uh, in New York in 1925, which a lot of people who end up as protagonists on this show are Jewish New Yorkers from this era. Hell, I love that. Yeah. Love that. By 17, he's like, Mom, Dad, I'm an atheist. Um, in 1941, he ships off and is part of one of the best things humans have ever done, kill the shit out of the Nazis. Uh, Mm -hmm. He comes home, he finishes undergrad, he gets his doctorate in astronomy. And then in the 50s, I think 1956, he gets arrested for homosexual behavior. And this is part of a, um, I think this happens in LA. Uh, There was this thing that the cops would do where basically anyone who suspected of being gay, they would like entrap them, like send someone to be like, yo, what's up, you want to fuck? And the person would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. And they'd be like, maybe is enough. You're going down, motherfucker. You know? Right. Um, I think in this case, literally someone came up at a fucking bus stop and grabbed his dick, like groped him. And then the cops arrested him for having his dick groped. Huh. That's curious. (laughs) Yeah. It's like not my favorite thing that's ever happened. Um, Yeah. In 1957, he's hired for the army map service. But then they're like, because he's an astronomer and he makes maps, I guess. I don't know. These are related mm. somehow. I'm not smart enough to totally get it. And they're like, oh, you got arrested for doing a gay thing. Never mind. Fuck off. And they fire him. <laughs> and they blacklist him from oh. all employment in the federal government. This fucking war hero, yeah. doctorate astronomer who wants to work in the public sector. Because this is part of it. Like, my, my, my grandfather worked in the public sector. He was, you know, worked for the Navy and shit. And um, it is not how to get rich. It just isn't. Like, the people who do public, like, uh, public servant work are right. fucking doing it because they care about it. And I guess he really cared about the stars. Oh. Until this point, our guy Frank, 
He's like this upstanding citizen, right? Mm-hmm. But they, they kick him out. So he sues. So he lost. So he took it to a higher court. He tried to take it to the Supreme Court. And they were like, no, nah, we're good. We don't give a shit. Damn. So he becomes a gay rights radical. And he coined the phrase gay is good, uh, which was oh, controversial yeah. among gay rights activists at the time. Oh, why? What? Yeah, because this is like one of the kind of complicated things we'll touch on a little bit, but I, I is basically a lot of the gay rights movement um, before the 40s and 50s and, and even during the 50s and early 60s, it was very assimilationist and it was, and some of it was even like, we are a bit ashamed that this is the way we are and we mm. would like to be better and, you know, kind of like we would like to be straight or if not, we like would like to be. Like conversion therapy kind of yeah. vibes. Or at least like accept that we're deviants and be ashamed and stuff, mm. you know. Yeah. And he was one of the first like really prominent people being like, no, there's literally nothing wrong with the way I am. And he was fairly assimilationist and stuff, but he fucking did a lot of really important good work. And and there's kind of this like way of looking back at um, this history. And I'm I'm I will do this a little bit by accident throughout here, where I think that the direct action stuff was a lot more effective. And so this assimilationist stuff, where they just want to be part of mainstream society, I'm like less interested in. But it's really worth understanding that they did a fuck ton of work. Mm-hmm. And so his name won't come up a ton the rest throughout the episode, but basically everything that isn't a riot, Frank is there and helping make it happen. I love you, Frank. Yeah. Frank is a good dude. Yeah. He just wants to talk about stars and learn about stars. They didn't let him do that. And so, yeah, that's, uh, (laughs) like, sorry, you like Dick too much to study the stars. Yeah. That's, (laughs) That's not fair. It's just like, it's also just like such a very specific uh, expertise. You know what I mean? I like, do they really have a big line <laughs> of people that wanted to do that? Like, yeah, come on. go work for the know. map service. Yeah. The lavender scare slowed down in the 60s, but the damage was done. In the mm-hmm. 1970s, gay people were allowed to become spies for the imperial nightmare called the US government again. And in 19. 19- I love that they're allowed to do stuff that's like bad. Purely, yeah, like purely would benefit them and like put the gay yeah. people at risk of like yeah. danger. <laughs> like, totally, <laughs> it's like like no gays in the middle. Like like yeah, you care about whether your cannon fodder likes anyway. Um, yeah. In 1995, Clinton signed an executive order saying that gays should be allowed at the highest level of security clearance. And then John Kerry, when he was Secretary of the State, put a public apology on the State Department website about the lavender scare, basically. Oh. Within days of Trump's inauguration, the apology came down. Oh my God. It was like on January 23rd, people noticed that it was just suddenly missing from the website. That's crazy. I know. Someone is like tracking that over the century, just being like up, down, up, yeah. edited, down. That's yeah. crazy. That's, yeah. that's crazy. The Lavender Scare is an often forgotten piece uh, of the context for gay rights in the US. There's this attitude. That's like, yeah, as we talked about, this attitude when it was the dark ages when everyone's homophobic and then the gay rights changed all of that. But even though it wasn't good for queer folks before the Lavender Scare, it was a specific and intentional destruction of the power of homosexual people done by the federal government and local governments as well as the usual random bigots. And mm-hmm. I think we need to understand it from that point of view. So let's talk about some early gay rights organizations. Hell yeah. Who all had sick fucking names. 
I can't fucking wait. I mean, Lavender Lads is already great, oh, yeah. and that wasn't even their choice. So. I know, I know. Yeah. Okay, for the most part, the idea that all gays are communists or whatever is bullshit. Gays are people. People have all kinds of political leanings. Um, you know, in our, our Nazi gays versus Nazis episode, we talked about, uh, I think his name's Rom, right? The gay Nazi mm-hmm. who got murdered and all that shit. But... One of the first groups, maybe like the first, it's kind of called the first group for gay rights in the U.S., but whatever. Yeah, who who knows knows what the first, yeah. Yeah. It was formed by a gay communist. Hell yeah. And the the first gay magazine was in Germany. We talked about this before. It was made by an anarchist because political organizers know how to get shit started. Mm. And so this guy, his name's Harry Hay. And he was a Mar- Harry Hay. I know. I know. <laughs> These like names Hay. are great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, he was a Marxist labor organizer, and he's in the he was in the Communist Party, and he worked hard in fights against anti-Semitism and anti-Jim Crow, which is credit where it's due. What the Communist Party was up to during the Red Scare—that's probably mm-hmm. part of why there was a Red Scare—is the fucking Communist Party. Again, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, they were fighting hard against racism as one of the only right. organized groups of people doing yeah. that. Um, Harry knew he was gay from a young age. He tried being straight for a while. He went to the doctor and the doctor was like, you know, I've, I've helped a lot of you people get over it. You people. You just need to yeah. marry a lady and by year five, you're just going to fucking love it. So he married this communist lady and it didn't work out. Eventually, they get separated. I don't think on bad terms. He starts a gay, right, gay rights group and it's called Mattachine. And it could not have a gayer origin for its name. I love. I can't wait to know what that means. Harry Hay was into workers' education, which is basically popular education. He was like, "I'm going to go teach the fucking working class stuff." But instead of being like, "Here's like how to balance your checkbook," he's like, "Let's teach you about medieval French costuming in theater." <laughs> and there was this. Oh, that is so gay! I, I love know. It. That's so gay. I love it. There was a 16th and 17th century thing. Um, it's more early Renaissance as much as it is late medieval, but I hate typing the word Renaissance so because I can't spell it, so I'm yeah, going to call same. it medieval. And it's called mask, this style of dancing, with a Q-U-E, not a K. Mm-hmm. And these are elaborate pageants with singing and dancing and costumes and shit. And they end up courtly, like for rich people, but the rich people are incapable of inventing their own entertainment, so they steal ours. So there was this mask group called... I can't pronounce French. Societe Madachine, who gets its name mm-hmm. from an from an Arabic word. Madachine is comes from an Arab, Arabic word that means mask wearers, which was a more a Moorish costumed and masked sword dancing. It's not the word isn't Madachine. I should have written down the Arabic word. Um, it's okay. It's close I mean, to it, that. I can imagine the origins of it just based on like the like the sounds in it. Madachine. Okay. Madachine. I don't know what I'll I'll think of it. Okay. And so, because there's this Moorish costumed and masked sword dancing called Mattachine, or called something like Mattachine. Uh, To quote Jonathan Katz from Gay American History, these societies, lifelong secret fraternities of unmarried townsmen who never performed in in public unmasked, aka probably gay men, were dedicated to going out into the countryside and conducting dances and rituals during the Feast of Fools at the Vernal Equinox, Sometimes these dance rituals or masks were peasant protests against oppression, with the maskers in the people's name receiving the brunt of a given lord's vicious retaliation. 
So we took the name Mattachin because we felt that we 1950 gays were also a masked people, unknown and anonymous, who might become engaged in morale building and helping others and ourselves through struggle to move towards total redress and change. So they found 17th and 16th century gay French (laughs) social revolutionaries who were into singing and dancing. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, like, it's it's one of those words that, like, if you know what it means, you're like, wow, yes. Yeah, no, if, I, if you don't, you're just like, wow, that's intense sounding. I know, because it sounds like machine gun or something, you know? Yeah. It sounds like machine gun if a machine gun was sounding like a machine gun, like, machine, you know? Machine. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's that was, again, high, but... So they start the Mattachine Society, first in Los Angeles. And according mm-hmm. to Harry Hay, they didn't call themselves gay or homosexual. They called themselves temperamental. <laughs> um, all He has a quote, all us temperamental guys we should organize. I mean, big save. I mean, I love that. <laughs> I know. There's this quote from Harry about why he, he did it, why he started this group that I like. I was an older brother, so I had to do a lot of things first. My father was a self-made man and he would beat me senseless. But he was a Scotsman and stubborn. I'm his son, and I'm stubborn too. I go on being stubborn. If you, one of the fellow temperamental guys, if you have to wait until I can make it safe, okay, I'll make it safe. And if I have to use myself as a battering ram, I'll do that too, the best I can. I'll tell you a deep, dark secret. Underneath that facade, I'm a terrified little sissy, just like everyone else, but I never let it show. Wow. That fucking like... That's like, that's like poetry. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And and that's what we need. We need this bravery and we owe it yeah. what we have to the fucking human battering rams that came before us. Yeah. Well. His partner who helped him start it romantically and in starting this was a fashion designer named Rudi Gernreich, who was an Austrian Jewish refugee from the Nazis, uh, who later went on to invent the thong bathing suit, the first woman's swimsuit without a built-in bra. <gasps> Um, so anytime you're swimming in a swimsuit without a built-in bra, you can thank a gay Jewish, probably communist, or at least dating a communist, <laughs> refugee from the Nazis who started the first gay rights organization in the United wow. States. Thank Talk you. about a power couple. I that know. is some sick I fucking shit. I love that. And they only dated for a couple years, but he kept funding it for Still a very counts. long time. Yeah, Still no, counts. totally. Yeah. And his whole thing as a fashion designer was to get rid of the idea that nudity was shameful and even inherently Mm. sexual. Mm -hmm. Um, And he designed a lot of unisex clothing. Later in life, he got really into making soup. He like stopped being a fashion designer (laughs) and just like made soup recipes. Um, What an endearing man. Oh my gosh. And Rudy helped start Mattachine Society with his boyfriend. Gays are the best. They really, yeah. For the first few years, Mattachine Society was really fucking neat. In L.A., gay men were getting routinely entrapped, out, went out cruising, this is the kind of stuff we were talking about. You know, cops would solicit them for sex and then arrest them for lewd behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mattachine fought one of these cases. I think the first time anyone fought one of these, but I'm not 100% on that. And they won. They deadlocked the jury, um, despite wow. the defendant admitting his homosexuality. That's an improvement, like, or yeah. like a progress, if you want to call it that. Yeah, Mattachine Society here and then in New York um, did a lot of work to specifically stop the entrapment of gay men uh, by cops. Mm-hmm. Most of its founders were communists anyway. So they mm-hmm. started 
um, in a similar way to the illegal communist party. They had like cells, oaths of secrecy, multi-tiered membership, like all that like revolutionary organization you hear about in like 20th century shit. Um, but there's a problem with that style of organization. They were infiltrated like right the fuck away. Within six oh, months, no. they had an infiltrator. Um, every chapter ended up infiltrated and they never figured out who any of the infiltrators were. Wow. So I will say that the 20th century cell structure of resistance is outdated for a reason. Wait, so infiltrated by like by the government? Feds, yeah. Wow. Maybe local cops as well. I actually, I'm not actually certain whether it's local cops or feds. Um, so they're infiltrating to like dismantle it and like at least provide information on it. Mm, wow. But then the Mattachine Society, actually, I wonder if these are related. They probably aren't what you just said about the infiltration. Pretty quickly, it got really normy and middle class and assimilationist. Mm. Um, early Mattachine's goals were to basically unify homosexuality and see society dramatically transformed as, as a result. Soon enough, people were like, actually, I just wanted to be legal to get my dick wet, which is, I'm sure, how they phrased it. And so they kicked out the founders, including Harry. It might be that driven out is more accurate. I've read a couple the ways of relating it. It seems like maybe yeah. they all resigned after basically they were told, like, get the fuck out of here. And so they went assimilationist. I'm not trying to entirely shit on them or anything, but like mm -hmm. um, from and apparently one thing I heard was that they would like invite psychologists to come to meetings to talk to everyone about how they were like sick and how therapy could help. And it oh. was like and they wanted to, you know, they wanted to change the laws to make it more okay, but they also like were like no, nah, whatever. I mean, that definitely sounds like an infiltrator tactic, in, in my opinion, right? I don't know. No, it's, it's possible. I, I yeah. Or it's just like it was so hard to to keep up being radical that like they had to water it down to the most simple thing. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's one of those to me. Or like I think a lot of things get started by political radicals, both cultural things and political things get started by political radicals, and then become popular, and then as people join it. They're there for the like aesthetics, or they're there for, in this right. case, the like society of men, um, and they're not interested in the the thing that started it, the seed. Mm -hmm. So the Mattachine Society adopted non-confrontation as a strategy, and as far as I'm concerned, non-confrontation is a non-strategy because strategy is how you do confrontation. Yeah, <laughs> um, never works. Also, yeah, fucking Quaker shit does yeah. not fucking work. No. No, and, and when the Quakers did do good shit, it was when they would, like, smuggle slaves to sl freedom, not... Yeah, they did stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Confrontational shit that got them killed. Yeah, they weren't just, like, pacifists forever. They had to actually do something. Yeah. I don't know. But, and what's interesting is when it got more assimilationist, the membership actually dropped. People were, like, just not as interested, I guess. Um, mm. And I think this happens a lot. You know, people are like, oh, we'll reach more people by being watered down. And people are like, no, the spiciness is what fucking drew us here. You right. Know? It's not cool to be in that group anymore. It's, like, normie. Yeah. Yeah. Harry Hay, he gave an interview in 1998 with The Progressive that I learned a lot from. Uh, if you're feeling like reading some fucking wise words, I think this is where the battering ram quote comes from, too. Just look up Harry Hay, The Progressive. So what he said about all of this assimilationist stuff, quote, assimilation is the way you excuse yourself. It absolutely never worked at all. You may not think you are noticeable, but they know who you are. They know you're a degenerate and they've never forgotten that. You won't find out until the push comes to shove and then you'll find out fast. 
because they're respectable in the eyes of God and you aren't. And so the journalist in response, I love the way this guy talks. I mean, t- Harry is a fucking poet. Yeah. That's his, his yeah. words are like, they make me feel th- things yeah. and I don't feel anything. So, yeah. <laughs> And so the journalist is like, no, no, no. Like, look, we've, we've made it, you know, um, which is funny. It's 1998. We don't even have gay marriage yet. Right. And he's like, no, we've assimilated whatever they, I'm not quoting and paraphrasing. Uh, no, we've assimilated whenever they want. They can rewrite the laws and fuck us up. Or to, to quote him, if people become frightened, if something all of a sudden goes wrong in our economy, and it can, and the preachers start blaming the sin around them on you, saying that God's judgment is on you, little by little, they haven't anything to hang on to except that, and they'll listen, just as they did in Germany. It may take four or five years, but it'll work. Well, which is that's haunting to uh-huh. to, to hear spelled out that way. Yeah, because um, that's what's that's happening. Just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like fucking predicting the future. Yeah, it's also just so silly that the people, some like the journalist in nineteen ninety eight was like, "We did it," because I'm pretty sure like no president even said the word gay or homosexual until like Obama or something, right? It was just I like I, I have to look that up. Okay. I'm pretty positive it was like in recent times, okay. like the. Uh, hold on. Well, while we're looking up the truth, you can learn the truth from these products and services. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent. 
telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Yes, I was correct. President Obama was the first president to use the word gay in an inaugural address uh, to reference <sighs> sexual orientation. So, Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that was like... 10 years after that interview-ish, yeah. probably more because he was probably president for a minute. But Well, his inauguration would have been 2009, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Unless he did it in his second inauguration. But no, I think uh, Harry Hayes' words, going back to like mm-hmm. the actual crux of that stuff before the break, it's, I don't know, it's just really, it's really uh, frightening to see it all spelled out so correctly and so scary like it's it's, just, it's scary to to to, yeah. to to read and hear and then it's happening yeah it's just like i don't know it drives me insane no no and it you know but it's like okay so the lavender scare sucked right but it wasn't nazi death camps and so i think that we need to look at the bad that's coming couldn't be somewhere on a spectrum part of where we end up on that spectrum is like how much we all get together and fight you know, like all of us, like who are marginalized or people who care about people who are marginalized, how much we mm-hmm. work together to stop it. I think we can, we can have some control. I don't know. I mean, we can at least yeah. fucking try. I, I think what really scares me mm-hmm. is that the technology is just like at an yeah. astronomical place that it wasn't at before. Like people are doing deep fakes of drag shows where drag queens are like, like, I don't know, doing like doing things in front of children that they weren't doing in like, I don't know. There's just, there's all these deep fakes that I'm seeing oh, that are actually true. One in particular was like this, all these parents and their children are sitting on the floor and it was apparently an event with a drag queen mm-hmm. reading a story, but instead they've made a deep fake with them like dancing kind of like risque and all that stuff. Yeah. And I, it, it looks real. Yeah. And that's what's scary to me. It's like, Unless you were told, like, pay more attention to this. This isn't actually happening. Yeah, people are gonna like see that and like run with it, and that's what's scary to me. It's like the the control we have is so fickle. That's, yeah. that's I don't know. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, I. Sorry, that was just no, something I've been thinking it's gonna about be since messy. I saw it the other the day. Future's gonna be fucking complicated. Yeah. That's what that just means. How that just like uh, emphasizes how important it is to actually like fight the good fight and like not give it up because yeah. then the fucking weirdos are going to win. Yeah. The hateful meanies. Hateful meanies. I really like that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Because I don't want to, I don't want to call them weirdos. I think weirdos are great. So I took that back and I said hateful meanies. Uh, so. Well, the temperamental folks of the Mattachine Society, yes. they keep going and they do a lot of work building connections with other groups. Frank Kameni, the guy, the 
astronomer guy, he gets involved actually before the split. Um, and he starts the DC chapter and he starts pushing to get DC's sodomy laws changed in 1963. He starts pushing. It takes 30 years. The laws against sodomy in the District of Columbia weren't taken off the books until 1993. But he worked at it the whole time, right? Because I don't want to be like, earlier I was like, oh, they just want to get their dicks wet. Like, people should be allowed to get their dicks wet. That is like one of the base human desires that approximately 50% of the population has. And like, anyway, so the founders who left, including Harry, they go on to start another group called One Incorporated, which is less metal of a name but it's fucking weird. One incorporated. Like, okay, it's kind of vanilla. Yeah, one but... comma incorporated. I know, but it's one... vanilla, but it's like almost like creepy. The right? number one spelled out or the number one? Spelled out, yeah. Spelled out. Okay. Um, and one incorporated let women in. Actually, Mattachine Society was letting women in by this point too, I think. And one incorporated, they found the first LGBT center in the US basically, which is their office. Um, it's very similar to what later became LGBT social centers, essentially. And in 1953, they published the first pro-gay U.S. magazine. It was called One, which is a fucking culty name. <laughs> no shade, but that is fucking culty. They got the name from the fact that gays referred to each other as one of us. Huh. And Interesting. Their magazine got banned from being mailed in 1953, same year that it got made, uh, because it was obscene. Oh, no. And it had an article about gay men and straight marriages, and they, that was what was obscene, apparently. And they sued, and five years later, they won uh, the right to mail their magazine. So the entire fucking mm. 50s. But the place that won Incorporated got its money. This is one of my favorite stories of all of this. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of this guy. There's this trans man philanthropist. His name is Reed Erickson. Reed Erickson, he, you know, he inherited his dad's company and he invested in real estate and he was a success, successful businessman and he, you know, made a bunch of money, gave a bunch of money away. His legal transition, uh, you know, he's a trans, trans masculine person, helped set precedent in Louisiana in the 50s about how to get your ID changed, all that shit. But he also used the fact that he was rich to be weird, which is objectively Hell what yeah. you should do when you are rich. The only thing you should do when you have money is to do that. Yeah. To be fucking weird. Yeah. And help people, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did both, and that's what's so cool about him. Like, yeah. Um, I mean, like, I'm sure his businesses did bad things, but, but he was really good to his pet leopard named Henry. <laughs> uh, repeat one more time. Mm-hmm. His pet leopard. Named Henry. Henry. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, I mean, I, I heard you that time for real, but yeah. I just needed to hear it back yeah. one more time. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a rich ass thing if I've ever heard of. Uh-huh. Like that's just uh-huh. that's something you would only do with an obscene amount of money. Yeah. It's got a fucking pet leopard named Henry. Yeah. Who came with him everywhere, including on airplanes. No. I assume they were private jet. I assume it was a private jet. That's a well trained leopard. I know. I mean, in my in my head, like the leopard fights back eventually and like eats him. But I, this is just like no, the like animal revenge story that probably never happened. Friends for life. What if he was really good? To, yeah, no, maybe it's like Calvin and Hobbes. They were like close. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't Wait, know how he treated. Is he a leopard? No, he's a tiger. Hold on. Oh, he's a tiger. Okay, sorry, you no, like blew okay. my mind for a second. Um. Oh my god. Yeah. No. Um. The other thing he did 
was finance a ton of LGBT stuff, um, including One Incorporated and various gender identity clinics throughout the country. I think more or less, if you were a trans person in the 1950s and 60s, it was Reed Erickson who was paying the people who were helping take care of you. That's pretty cool. He, they published, he financed a ton of information and counseling resources for trans people. They published pamphlets about how to access resources, all that shit. And then he died how every... Uh, in 1992, he was in his 70s and he was a fugitive from justice from the U.S. for drug charges because he used drugs recreationally. And so he was hiding out in Mexico and that's where he died. That's... The, just the fact that he used drugs recreationally and that was what made him go into hiding is, one, depressing. Yeah. But two, I mean, 70s is a long life. Yeah. It's longer than most. So No, he did great. He, he, did, he did a lot. He did a lot. If you're going to be a capitalist, be Reed Erickson. Yes. And if you're yeah. going to be... Get a leopard and help people. Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah. And also, I would argue, I think if you're a rich guy with a pet leopard, your odds of dying in Mexico as a fugitive go up to like 80 to 90%. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, uh, I don't know. I wonder what happened to that leopard. I wonder what the leopard's name was. I'm getting off a tangent just because I'm imagining this man, like, with a leopard next to him. Wait, the leopard's name was Henry. Oh, yeah, you did tell me. He's like, oh, God damn. My brain is really on display in this episode, and I want everyone to take pity on me. I know someone else is out there that is as dumb as I am, so I'm representing that one person. Both Mattachine and One Incorporated provided material support for another group, the first lesbian political organization in the U.S., which had another sick fucking name, the Daughters of Belitis. Um, sometimes the Daughters of what? Belitis. Belitis. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes called D.O.B. or the Daughters. And I'll tell Ooh. you what the name comes from on Wednesday. Ooh, what a cliffhanger. That was great. Thanks. They have to come back. I know. You're going to need to know where the daughter... You can't Google it. God forbid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't Google until Wednesday. Yeah. Or at all. Yeah. But what people should Google is Shireen Yunus. No. No? You shouldn't. Oh. Don't do that. Uh, But you can follow me on the internet if you want to. Uh, My Twitter is Shirohiro666, and my Instagram is just Shirohiro. I'm around sometimes. That's, That's about it. Have you ever Googled your name plus controversy? No, but now I, I will. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't either. All right. We'll Yikes. see you all. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to plug things. Uh, I have another podcast. It's called Live Like the World is Dying. If you think things are bad, I do too. <laughs> I have a podcast about how to get prepared and get together with your friends. It's called Live Like the World is Dying. And we'll see you on Wednesday. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. 
obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.